Before you're seated, just pray with me. God, I thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is indeed here. And that if you're here, liberty is here. Peace is here. In fact, every need they have can be met in your presence. God, I believe you to overshadow this service. I believe you to take over the next few moments of time we have together and just show yourself alive on somebody's behalf. Break somebody's chain. Shine through somebody's darkness. Relieve somebody's pain. God, I praise you that you are an ever-present help, able to move, able to touch, able to bless. God, I ask you to wear me like a coat. I ask you to speak to me and speak through me. Clarity of thought and boldness of speech. Open the ears of the hearers that they would hear from you and not me. We bind any hindrance and any distraction in the mighty name of Jesus. And we declare that the captives shall leave free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Joshua? The book of Joshua chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. The book of Joshua chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. And then after we read those two verses, we'll be turning to one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Psalms 89. But Joshua chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. Now notice he said, Go into the harlot's house. You're going into the house of a harlot, but you're not bringing out the harlot. You're bringing out the woman. I believe it's the power of God to bring out the best in each and every one of you. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Psalms 89? Psalms 89, beginning at verse 29. Psalms 89, verse 29. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my covenants, then I will visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. God said, I'm going to make a covenant so strong with your family that I will not allow it to fail. Now I want you to look at the next verse. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Will you leave that one verse up the rest of the service, Sherry? God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And it's going to extend to your family. And come hell or high water, I'm not going to break the promise that I have made with you. I want to preach a little while today from the subject of the everlasting covenant. Because you and I live in a time where it's like people don't understand that when God gets a hold of you, he gets a hold of your entire family. That when God makes a covenant with you, he doesn't just see you. He sees everybody you're attached to, everybody you're connected to, and everybody you will come in contact with. Anytime God engaged an individual, it's because he had a nation on his mind. 
When God engaged Abraham, it's because he saw there was an Israel inside of Abraham. When God engaged you, he wasn't just thinking about you. He was thinking about everybody that has your blood running through their veins. When God comes into contact and into covenant with you, he has a plan for everybody that's going to come forth through you. In fact, the covenant power of God is so powerful that I can praise God in 2017 and it'll bless my grandchildren 30 years down the road. I'm going to prove it right now. The Bible said that Levi received credit for Abraham paying tithes, though he was yet in the loins of Abraham. It said though Levi had not even been born, he got credit for his daddy giving God a praise. I'm about to blow somebody's mind right now. That's why hell hates it when you praise God. Because hell knows that God's going to put a blessing that goes to your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandbabies. I can't get no help in here but when I got a hold of God God got a hold of my family see God is concerned with those that love you God is concerned with those that you love and God says if I can grip one of them I can get them all but before there can be any breakthrough before there can be any movement there's always got to be a one that God gets a hold of there's always got to be somebody that God snatches out of the pit and they become the example for everybody that will follow thereafter. The Bible said in the book of Psalms that God setteth the solitary in families. That word solitary is the same word that you and I use to describe a diamond. A woman walk in a room with a diamond, men don't usually notice it. But a woman can spot a diamond a mile away. There's something about a diamond that it just sparkles and shines. Some of you men get nervous when, you, you know, another woman walks in with a diamond because you know your wife's going to say, well, where's my new diamond at? A diamond proclaims the love of the husband for the wife. The diamond that's on my wife's hand proclaims the love that I have for her. And it draws attention to that love. God said in every family, I've got a diamond. God said, I may not have all of them, but there's one of them that in the right situation, if I move on them, I can draw them to me. And they will be the one that I use to bless the entire family. In fact, most of you are here today because there was a diamond in your family that said yes to God when nobody else would. And God used them to bring you in. So I dare you to go ahead and give him a praise for your granny. Give him a praise for your brother. Give him a praise for that diamond you may be the diamond baby well praise God he picked you in every family there's somebody that God says if I can get a hold of Randy I can bring in his whole family if I can get a hold of Carlene I, I can get a hold of her whole family Carlene won't mind me telling this but when she was a little girl nobody in her family was serving God her mom and dad had went through a divorce her grandparents were away from the Lord but there was something in her from an early age that wanted to serve God that knew the importance of church. And there were some mornings nobody in her family was going to church. Carlene would call people and ask them to pick her up and bring her to church. As a young girl, she, would, she knew the importance of coming to the house of God. And she didn't have a mama sitting with her. 
And she didn't have a row of family members sitting with her. But she knew if she could get to church, she would have God with her. And she kept going, and she kept going, and she kept going. Until one day she kept inviting her mama. And her mama said, okay, I'll go with you this Sunday. Kathy went with her that Sunday. And then they went back home. Well, I got time for Sunday night. And Carlene put her clothes back on to go back to church on Sunday night. And she looked over, and her mama was getting ready too. She said, Mom, where are you going? She said, I'm going to church with you I'm about to preach in here she got saved that night Edith came back to the Lord Carl came back to the Lord ah, you, you, her, her sister Jody now she's got an entire family that's giving God praise all because she was the diamond I can't get no help in here but as you lift your hands to God right now there's a blessing coming on your children Sherry as you give God praise right now, Susie, there's blessings that come on your son. It pays to praise God. It pays to serve God. See, the enemy wants you so wrapped up in you, you don't see what God's doing in them. And the enemy wants you so wrapped up in your own battle that you don't realize sometimes the enemy's battling you because of what God is going to do through you to get to them. I asked mom, mom was talking the other night, last night. <coughs> she wanted to know, what I was preaching and I was torn between two messages so I began to tell her and now if you if you study the Richardson family and the Webb family all them jokers go to church they might be crazy but they go to church but there was a time none of them went to church and mom told me that the first one in her family to get saved was her aunt Jetty who was one of the sweetest ladies that I ever met in my life Jetty was a young teenage girl she got saved and she had a daddy, Mr. Webb, lived at Shorts Gap and had a house full of girls. Well, Jenny was excited about what God did in her life and she come home to tell her, her daddy and her family. Her dad got so mad that he kicked her out of the house. That ain't how you expect to be greeted when you tell your family, I just received Jesus. I have seen family that as long as you're smoking pot and acting crazy, they didn't judge you, didn't say nothing. For, but the minute you start going to a church and li your life turns around, they start judging you and talking about you. I'm preaching good about right now. Jetty could have said right there, I'm giving up on this because I want daddy's approval. But Jetty said, I found my everlasting father and I'm going to keep serving him. Her mama got saved. Her sisters got saved. And baby, then her daddy got saved. She she was the die. Y'all ain't even hearing me right now. Some of you are serving God by yourself. Keep serving Him because there's going to come a day your entire row's going to be filled with your family. If you got faith to believe it, give Him a praise right now. We don't understand the everlasting covenant of God that when God came into covenant with Abraham, He saw Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the entire nation of Israel. That when God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day, he realized that the entire human race was on the inside of Adam. But as God walks with you, he's doing things in your life that are going to bless your mama, your daddy, your grandparents, your kids, your grandkids, everybody that's related to you. The enemy knows this better than the church because we don't preach stuff like this no more. Used to be when I was coming up, people would come to the altar and they would pray, God save my family. God save my family. When me and Gordy were little boys and his daddy was the pastor, they used to do stuff back then that we're afraid to do now because we never know what people are going to say. But they would do a thing called prayer requests. 
And every Sunday they would give out prayer requests. And somebody said, well, I need you to pray for this, and I need you to pray for that. Every Sunday I'd raise my hand. And Uncle Charlie would be standing behind the pulpit, and he'd say, yes, Barry. And I'd say, I want you to pray that my Papa Troy gets saved. Every Sunday I'd pray for Papa Troy to get saved. Papa Troy wasn't always the sweet man that you see before you today. And there was times that you would have thought he wasn't ever going to come back to church. There were times he looked up into heavens and said, I don't see a God, so I don't know if there is a God. There were times he was going as far away from God as you could ever see a man go, you would think. And Mama would just go to church, tears streaming down her face, and lift her hands and believe God that one day God could even get to Troy Absher. Well, I'm here to tell you it's 2017, and there sits my 86-year-old Papa saved and serving God because God has a way of getting a hold of you if I can't get no help up in here but God gets a hold of you to get a hold of them God's after your family God's on a family hunt and just as surely as God's after your family can I flip it thank you Forrest the enemy's after your family because just as surely as the Spirit of God wants you to be the diamond that draws them all in, the enemy wants to snatch that purpose, wants to sabotage your relationship with your family, wants to turn you against the very ones that God has assigned you to save. All through the Scripture, you find the enemy wounding people by the very ones they were called to set free. Hello, Joseph. God put something in Joseph that was going to deliver Israel and his brothers, and it was his brothers that tried to kill him. Not the Ishmaelites, not the Canaanite and the Hittite, but his brothers. Moses, God put something on the inside of Moses that was going to deliver them into the promised land. And it wasn't the Egyptians that initially tried to destroy him as a young man, but it was his own people that rose up against him with their tongues. See, what I've seen happen so many times is the people that should have built you up were the ones that tore you down. And so many times the tears I see being cried in the house of God today are not because of the wounds of a stranger, but, but they're because of the wounds of people that, that had your last name, people that you were raised up in the house with. There's something about being wounded by family. That has a way of messing you up in such a way. And some of you, if you don't realize it's warfare, and you don't realize that the pressure against you and opposition against you is because you're pushing on something that hell thought it had on lockdown. The minute you put yourself in the hands of God and he begins to shine you like a diamond, not only does light bring the attention of the seeker, light draws bugs. And if you ain't going through nothing, that means you ain't doing nothing. But if you've been shining for Jesus every now and then, you're going to get some unwanted attention. You're going to get some unwanted opposition. You're going to get some things in your life that say it ain't never going to get better. You're going to get wounded by some people that you never thought you'd get wounded by. God in Psalms 89, he gives a discourse on the covenant he made with David. Now we got to back this thing up and, and realize that David had problems. But there was one thing David had that God said, I can use that. David had a heart that was soft towards God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Was David perfect? No. 
Did David have great mistakes? Yes. Did David have great moral weaknesses? Yes. But all of that did not disqualify him because he had a heart that said, God, I know I need you in my life. I have not come to preach to perfect people and tell you that if you're not perfect, God can't use you. I have come to preach to people that have made mistakes and went the wrong way, but there's something on the inside of you that says, God, use me to bring my family to you. If God was waiting to use perfect people, we might as well close the book and go home. Because there was one perfect person on this planet and they crucified him. But God looks for people who at weak moments, their heart will say, Lord, I'm tender towards you. Some of you, the reason you got saved is you got in a dark place where nobody else could help you. And you found that it was God and God alone that could help you. So many times when we pray, God, be real to my children. God, save my kids. God, show yourself real to my kids. And then when they start going through trouble, we start saying, God, pull them out of that trouble. Pull them out of that trouble. But sometimes you got to drown before somebody can save you. Sometimes you've got to get in trouble before he can get you out of it. And you want their life to be perfect. And you want their life to be easy. Well, then they ain't never going to know him. But baby, when they hit rock bottom and they find out that when mama can't get you and daddy can't help you, there is a God in heaven that can make a way when there seems to be no way. Somebody ask God right now to save your kids, to move in your family. Everybody wants to save you, but nobody wants to drown. Everybody wants to be Hank Williams, but nobody wants to die. That's what Bocephus said. We talk about being saved, but sometimes for God to get a hold of our family, they have to go through some dark places. And we, being the, the sweet family that we are, we do everything we can to make their life as comfortable as possible. But every now and then, God has to get them in a dark place so that he can shine a light because light works best in darkness. Do you remember the manic of the Gadarenes? He was over at Gadara and he was living among the tombs and he was living among dead things. But when Jesus got there, God began to do a work on him and the demons that were on the inside of him, they, be, they became tormented, remember? And he cast the, the, the spirits into the swine and all that stuff and tore up the entire town of Gadara by that miracle. But what we fail to realize is right before Jesus got there, he and the disciples went through the biggest storm they had ever went through. That when they were on their way to set this tormented man free, a storm rose up against them that tried to make them turn back. I'm preaching right now. See, when you get close to what God told you he was going to do in your life, the enemy will send forth a storm to try to talk you out of your blessing. Some of you got a storm going in your family. Some of you got a storm going in your life. Some of you got a storm going in your mind. God sent me here to tell you that doesn't mean he's left you. That means he's on your boat and you're closer now than you have ever been I just come to tell somebody keep pressing I just come to preach to somebody and say keep rowing my God I wish I had about 20 people full of the Holy Ghost that wasn't ashamed to stand to their feet and give God a praise I'm trying to help somebody in the battle right now Donetta he's got your family he's got a hold of your family. You say, Pastor, they, they came in drunk at 3 in the morning. He's doing the work. You say, Pastor, they ain't even talking to me right now. He's doing the work. The biggest thing, as a pastor, 
the biggest battle I see God's people fighting are with their family. Some of the tears you're crying right now got nothing to do with finances, got nothing to do with the economy or who's in the White House, but you're crying because there's pain in your family. You're crying because there's somebody you love that don't love God. And you know that if they don't have God, no matter how much you love them, they're always going to be limited. Their lives are always going to be jacked up. There was a time in church that we used to pray for God to move for our family. There was a time in church that we realized that until God got in the midst of our family, it was always going to be messed up. And now we got all this other stuff going on, but I sense an old time spirit on me this morning where the sons and the daughters of the Most High are taking their place in the kingdom and they're saying, God, I want you to bless me and I want you to bless my family. I want you to do something with me but I want you to do something with them. God come against addiction I come against depression. I come against brokenness and I declare in the name of Jesus things are breaking for your family he said David you'll be the one the Bible said God found David David didn't find God this is how God always starts it out if I, if I were God I'd give up on the human race I would have thrown all y'all in hell because nobody's ever looking for him. It's always him come looking for them. And it wasn't you who came looking for God. Because God wasn't lost. It was God that loved you enough to come looking for you. Can you give God some praise if he came looking for you? When you wasn't thinking about him. When you didn't even believe he was real, it was God that opened up the heavens, stepped out of eternity, and showed you he was. The Bible said, I found my servant David, and I've anointed him with the holy oil. And he said, David, I'm going to do a work in your life. When you go home, you read Psalms 89. Because I ain't got time to read the whole thing. But he said, I'm going to put a blessing on you. And it's going to bless you all the days of your life. And when enemies rise up against you, I will crush them. Here's what you better understand about somebody that's got a covenant with God. When you mess with them, you mess with him. That's why the Bible said, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. See, my God has a way of if you mess with his kids, he will roll up his sleeves and he'll meet you at the door. See, God's got a little bit of redneck hillbilly in him. You mess with God's kids, God says, you're going to have to deal with me. He said, David, I promise you, that no matter who comes against you in life, I'll be with you. No matter what you go through in life, I'll be with you. David, when they try to destroy you, I'll make sure that their plans come to naught. Some of you, even in this service, have been through seasons where men tried to plot your demise and men tried to plot your destruction, but you're still here clothed and in your right mind. Would you give God a praise right now? If you ever saw God build up a wall between you and the plan of your they wanted to put you in prison. They wanted to throw you away. They wanted to stand back and watch you die. But look what the Lord he said, David, I'll always bring you out. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I got some bad news, and I got some good news. What's the bad news first? You will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, you want the good news? You will go through the valley of the shadow of death. 
You ain't going to die there. You ain't going to stay there. The enemy ain't going to take you out. He's not going to destroy your family. You're going to make it through this season. Better days are on the way. He said, David, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I look at Ben serving God right there. He's got his mama on Sandy. I know the diamond in their family. Mama. And because of that, that entire family knows God is real. Some of your family's rough, Ben. And Sandy said, Amen. But God has a way of getting a hold of the one to get a hold of them all. He said, David, you were the diamond. Summer, you were the diamond. Bobby Jean, me machine, you were the diamond that I could get a hold of. And I could lead the entire family into my presence. But he said, David, this blessing that I put on you, it's going to be with you all the days of your life, but it don't stop with you. Pat, this blessing God has for you, it don't stop with you. It's working on Brandon, even as you're sitting there listening to me preach right now. He said, this blessing that I put on you. I feel something. Is it just me, man? Am I by myself anymore? I don't even feel like I'm at home this morning. I mean, is there somebody you want your family saved? You want to see revival? We want to see God bless our kid. Let me know I'm in the right house right now. Even if your last name's Abishur, why don't you praise him? Why don't you give God some glory up in here? Let's have church. He said, David, I don't just want to bless you. I love you. You're all that. I like the way you play the harp. I like the way you praise me. He said, but David, I'm going to put a blessing on you that goes forth to your children. And your children's children. Now, here's the part that blesses me as a parent. And it needs to bless you if you're a parent or a grandparent. He said, and if your children forsake my law, he didn't say, I will throw them in hell or I will destroy them. He said, I will deal with them. He said, but I will not forsake them. He said, I will remember the covenant I had with you and I shall bring them again unto me. He said, even if they go the wrong way for a season, if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Josetta, Haley is coming home. My God, you need to give God a praise. As you give God praise, God is moving for your babies and for your great-grandbabies. He said, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. The job of the enemy is to make you think that your mistakes have altered God's plan. Or that your family is so bad off. You see Cody here today, he plays the guitar. But if you look on his row, his daddy's there. His family's there. You look at Cheryl, her, her sister's there. And her, her daughter Christine's there. I've seen people that at one season in their life, they were the only one serving God. And now you look, you look at Pat and Rachel Willie, even BJ, pretty girl right there. I see families that are serving God in pockets where I used to just see one. I see Rose serving God when I used to just see a 16-year-old girl that was serving God. What I'm trying to tell you is God gets a hold of you so that he can bring them all in. But hell will try to turn you against your assignment. The enemy will try to get you to give up on the very ones God said, I'm going to use you to reach. Hell will try to make you think that your family's been through so much that it's altered what God was going to do in their life. Here's what God said, not Barry Absher. If I said it, you could call me a liar and say it's too good to be true. But I didn't say it. God said it. My covenant I will not break, and I will not alter the thing 
that has gone forth out of my lips. The biggest battle we fight in faith is believing that life has somehow altered or aborted the plan that God Almighty had for us. That somehow there are two thieves that are running rampant in the church. If I told y'all two thieves were loose in here right now, you'd be amazed how y'all grab y'all's pocketbook. Y'all tuck that wallet in. And y'all be looking around like, where you at, where you at, where you at? There's two thieves running loose right now in this service. The thieves of regret about yesterday and the thief of worry about tomorrow. Those two thieves steal more victory than any other thieves I've ever seen steal. The thief of the regret from what I did yesterday or the thief of worry about what's going to happen to me tomorrow. And if you let those thieves in your pockets, they're going to pluck out all your joy. But when you begin to realize I don't have to live in regret, it's under the blood of Jesus, and I don't have to worry about tomorrow, my God's already there. That sets you free to serve God about right now. I dare you to give God a Praise if you know he's greater than the thief. He's greater than the enemy. Woo. I'm trying to get to my point, but I, I just, is that all right if I work this thing? <coughs> Tonight we're going to have a night of praise. And man, Charlie, he showed me what he's got planned. It's going to blow y'all's mind. We're having service tonight. So I'm just going to hit y'all with both barrels this morning. Is that okay? The Bible Shows a God that will come into contact with the Barry Richardson. You look at Barry Richardson, man, he just, he looks like he could whoop about 10 people because he probably could. But God says, I'll get a hold of him. God finds faith in unlikely places. God sends the spies, John, into Jericho, a walled city. And he said, I want you to scout it out because we're going to destroy it. But as they go into Jericho, they walk by the local brothel, not the Bible bookstore, the brothel. Where the women of the night are shining in the light. They won't buy a brothel and they find faith in a low place. You would think if they went into Jericho to destroy it, that maybe somebody in the local temple would be the one that had faith. That maybe one of the local executors or one of the local law enforcement agents or one of the local elderly people would be the one that would believe in God. But that ain't where faith was found. Faith was found in a low place. What I love about God is he doesn't need a perfect place to operate. He just needs a place of faith. And God said, if I can't find it in the synagogue, I'll find it in the brothel. And when they walked by the brothel, they found a woman there by the name of Rahab. She ran the joint. I don't know about you. But if I were God, I don't think I would pick the most notorious woman uh, of the city to be the one that I use to start my message. But if I were God, I wouldn't have sat on the well and talked to the woman that had five husbands. If I were God, I would have left Jonah in the belly of that well and he'd still be there today. If I were God, I'd have never let Peter preach again. Can't get no help in here. If I were God, I would have buried David about 30 years early. If I were God, I would have turned my back on Solomon. If I were God, I would have given up on me. And if I were God, I would have given up on you. But I got good news, a city on a hill this morning. I ain't God. And my God doesn't give up on anybody. My God's love reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. God says, I got a plan. Oh, you ought to give God praise right now. The love of God is reaching. And God finds faith. He don't need perfection. He says, if I can find faith, if I can find faith, 
If I can find faith, if I can find faith in Mitch, I can use him. If I can find faith in Ron, I can use him. If I find faith in Sherry, I can bless her family. All I need is faith, Pat. All I need is faith, Alden, Georgia. God doesn't say I need perfect conditions. God said, when I return, will I find faith? I've come to stir up somebody's faith today to believe God for greater. Because Rahab, though she had a sordid past and present problems and things she could worry about in her future, she said, I want to come in covenant with this God. Because I know that destruction's coming and the only people who are going to make it are people that have this God on their side. And the two spies said, okay, this is the covenant we're going to make. That when destruction comes, all you got to do is you got to take this red scarlet thread and hang it out your window. And when destruction goes by, when it sees the red cord, it's going to go on by your house. You see, it didn't just start here a couple of thousand years before that. When God was getting ready to deliver them out of Egypt, he said the death angel is going to take a stroll through town tonight. But every house that has the blood on the doorpost, it's going to have to walk on by. I just just come to remind somebody you ain't lived this long because you're smarter than anybody. It's because of the blood of Jesus. You don't know how many times hell tried to take you out. You don't know how many times it was almost over, but the enemy saw the blood on the door. I know I shouldn't be here. You can ask my grandmother. At five years of age, we was walking through Grundy. And I don't know why. She had took me furniture shopping. That's the last time she ever took me furniture shopping. Because we're walking on the... What's the last time, ain't it, Mama? Yeah. Well, that's awful mean of you. We're walking down the main street of Grundy, and back in Grundy was popping because coal wasn't seen as the ultimate evil. And I, for some reason, turned loose with Mama's hand, and I ran right out in front of oncoming traffic, and it missed me. I don't believe it just missed me by accident. There was another night as a 16-year-old boy. I believe my brother was with me, 17. I decided that I thought it would be funny at 3 in the morning to take some firecrackers and release them on the house of a not-so-beloved neighbor on his porch. And so I went to his door. I lit the firecracker. Were you with me, John? You're not going to say See, even when your family is ashamed of you, my God will sit right beside you. I lit up in my firecrackers, and they started going off. I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was terrible. It's of the devil, and don't y'all ever do it. I took off running across the four lane in the middle of the night, three in the morning. A car missed me by two feet. I took off running to get away. I don't believe it just missed me. There was a night me and Bobby were coming back from a party. I said, Bobby, we're late. I need you to drive. Mistake number one. We're coming around Paint Lick Road. Bobby loses control. We begin to spin uncontrollably. Is this not true, Bobby? Our car stops like this, this close to a big oak tree that would have taken our life. And the first thing my friend of wisdom said was, whoo, that was some driving. I said, you shut your mouth, Bob. I said, it was God that kept us from dying tonight. Give me the keys. I might have been crazy, but I had enough sense to know that somewhere Mama had prayed some angels that were still looking over me. You ought to give God a praise if you know. God looked over you even when you were crazy. 
when destruction came, Rahab, the Bible didn't say that she had everything together. The Bible didn't say that somehow she'd become the most emancipated person on the planet, but the Bible did say she obeyed the simplicity of the instruction. And she took a scarlet cord, red cord, hung it out her window. And all the other people that didn't have that symbol, they perished that day. But Rahab and her house was saved. And when they go to take the spoils of Jericho, Joshua said, remember the house of the harlot. Go into the house of the harlot and bring out the woman. See, if you, if you read that and don't get that, it's going, you're going to miss the beauty of it. God said it may be a harlot's house, um, but there's a woman inside of that harlot I can use. Uh, she might have been a harlot, but that ain't who she is now. What I love about God is he says you ain't who you used to be. What I'm trying to tell somebody is you might have done what they said you did, but you're not who they say you are. He said you're going to go into the harlot's house, but you're going to bring out a woman I can use. She goes out of the house, no longer identified as a harlot or a woman of the night, and she marries a strong Israeli man by the name of Salmon. Her and Salmon, they have a marriage, and they produce a child by the name of Boaz. It is Boaz that meets Ruth in the barley field, and she lays at his feet, and Boaz marries Ruth, and they establish a covenant of blessing. Through their union, there came forth a child named Salmon, or Obed. And when Obed was born, he was raised up in the fear of admonition of the Lord. And Obed had a son by the name of Jesse. And Jesse was told about this God that could invade the family. Family. And they, Jesse had seven sons that didn't really make a difference. But there was an eighth boy by the name of David. And David said, I believe God's in my family. And David had a great, great granddaughter by the name of Mary. And Mary had a little lamb by the name of Jesus who was, I'm trying to tell somebody, God wants to do something great in your family. I don't care how messed up your family is as Charlie continues to play. I don't care how bad they've hurt you. He sets a solitary, Sharon, in families. That word solitary means alone. Everybody I've ever met, Cindy, that God's got a hold of, there was always something in them that felt like it didn't fit in, even with their family. God said, I put that alone feeling in you for a reason. Because you'll find that when you don't fit in with them, you got to fit in with him. You ever been in the middle of people and say, I just don't feel like I belong. I just don't feel like I fit in. There's something about alienation that God uses to bring you to your purpose. There's something about feeling like you don't fit in. I mean, you can still be in the crowd and be alone. You could be sitting around 500 people and still feel alone. God got a hold of Rahab and he done something powerful for a family. Acts 16, because when I preach this, there's so many people always saying, Well, I just don't see how God, because when you preach the Bible in its fullest form, it almost sounds too good to be true. But when Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises at midnight, the chains fell and the doors opened up. And the centurion jailer said, I'm going to kill myself. And Paul said, don't do it. Paul could have said, yeah, you need to kill yourself. You come against us. But Paul realized his life was an assignment to be a diamond, to bring people to Jesus. 
the jailer fell to his knees and he said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household. Don't miss it. His household hadn't said nothing about being saved. But Paul was saying, the God I serve says if he can get a hold of you, he can get a hold of everybody you're connected to. Somebody needs to just reach out in faith right now because God wanted me to tell you, by the time the smoke settles and the dust clears, God's going to bring your entire family into his kingdom. God don't just want you. God wants them all. 99 wouldn't do. The good shepherd said, I'm going and looking for the lost sheep. Nine pieces of silver wouldn't do. <coughs> he said, I got to find the tenth one. One son in the house wouldn't do. He said, I got to draw the prodigal back. When God does a thing, it's for so much bigger than we can see. And you know, I went through some times, as everybody just stand to your feet, I went through some times, man, where I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've went through some times where I thought about giving up. Have y'all ever? Have y'all ever? Okay. I've went through some times where everything in me wanted to give up. My mind was shot. My nerves were shot. My will was shot. I felt like a country song gone wrong. But there was a fire shut up in my bones. That every time I get ready to just lay down and die, something in me would just know, I'm not fighting this for me. I'm fighting this battle for my Grayson, for Jacob, for Carlene, and for everybody that ever has been called into my ministry. The battle you fight, if it's an intense battle, it gives you an indication of how many people you're called to reach. That's why the Bible said, to whom much is given, much is required. When God has put a lot on your life, hell will come against it. You will go through battles. But what I love about Jesus is you'll never face a battle that his grace can't bring you through. You'll never face a mountain that his grace can't knock down. You'll never go through a day that God said, that's too rough. I can't go through it with you. I want you to lift your hands. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you and your house. You and your house shall be saved. I sense God wanting to move in your house, Rahab. I sense God wanting to move for your family, for your children. Now when you release a prayer saying, God, move in my family, there's going to come times that it's going to look like the opposite of happening. And that's when you've got to realize that means God's up to something. Lift your hands all over this place. Spirit of God, give us a heart for our families again. Give us a heart for those that we're connected to again. Give us a heart. And Lord, for everybody that's been wounded by family and people they were assigned to, I speak healing over that in the name of Jesus. God, give them fresh vision fresh purpose fresh strength and fresh grace God let them know that they're in this battle because you're trying to use them to get to all of them God I thank you that you're moving for Ashley Lord I thank you that you're moving for BJ and Rachel's family right now God I thank you that there's some blessings Megan and Amanda walk in because of Randy's parents that served you I thank you that you're a covenant keeping God and right now somebody 
I wouldn't even go open up the altars, but we got to. Somebody, hell has broke loose in your family. Hell has broke loose in your family. And I have preached to you about how what you do in here blesses your family. And if you were to be honest today, the greatest need you have is for God to move in your family. If that's you, and you feel the Spirit of God moving on you right now, I dare you to step out of your seat and come to this altar. And what I want you to realize is that as you come to this altar, you're bringing your family's needs with you. You're bringing your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. You're bringing the in-laws and the daughter-in-laws and the son-in-laws. And you're saying, God, I can't, but you can. I can't make them quit, but you can. I can't turn them around, but you can. I can't deliver them, but you can. That's right, Patty. That's right, right. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Come Come on, there's a flow in here. There's a flow in here. Others, you're fighting for your family right now. I just got to keep going with this. Altar workers, please come. Please come. This precious young girl that came with Eric. I, I feel something. I feel something. The Holy Ghost is letting me see deep wounds that have come because of family. Some of you have been so wounded because of your family. And those wounds that they gave you and those words that they spoken are still binding you today. I cancel that in the name of Jesus. If that's you and you say, I need to be free from some stuff this morning, preacher. I need to take that to the altar and I need to lay it down. You need to step out of your sink come right now. As the Spirit of God is moving, you need to come to this altar right now, right now, right now. Now I'm getting ready to get out of the way. But if you're in here, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking but me. And you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You say, Pastor, I want God in my life. I'm not perfect. I have problems. But I know God's real and I feel Him this morning. And I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior, as my Lord. If that's you, would you lift your hand to where I can see it right now if there's somebody that says, I need to be saved or I need to give my heart to the Lord. If that's you, this altar's open. Worship the Lord as Charlie sings.
everybody. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. We sing about break every chain, and we won't even lift our hands in praise. I want you to lift your hands up all over this place, because when the hands go up, the Spirit of God comes down. That's why the enemy hates it when you raise your hands. Because when you raise your hands, you open up a window into heaven that allows God to flow into your family, flow into your life. Spirit of God, flow in this place. Flow in our families, our sons and our daughters, our mothers and our fathers. God, use us as diamonds that draw people to you. Spirit of God, invade our lives. Saturate us with your presence. And I thank you that this year, we're going to see sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, aunts and uncles, come to your house. God, I praise you for revival in our families. In Jesus' name. If you agree with it, give the Lord a head clap of praise as Pastor Mikey comes.